Hello, and welcome back to the Hey, I Like You podcast with Martha and Becky. If this is your first time listening, we're so glad that you're here and hope that you stick around. In addition to listening to our angelic voices on this podcast, you can also find us on Instagram at Becky underscore Smitty and at Oh, Hey, Miss Martha, which we will have typed out in the show notes for spelling purposes. But we'd love to hear from you and get your feedback, as well as any topics you'd like us to talk about. And with no further ado, we hope that you enjoy this episode today. Hey. Hey, Becky. Fancy (laughs) running into you again. So weird. (laughs) I just... For those listening, uh, Martha and I were going to start recording, and then I just I couldn't do it, so we had to do a part, a take two. Uh-huh. So here it is, I'll take two. So it's for the best that we we cut out and then came back. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm glad you got to burp in privacy. I do too. <laughs> so I guess before we dive into today, um, I asked Martha if we could have a segment where we get our wiggles out because people who are listening by now should understand that I love tangents and I'm like maybe if I give myself time to just get them off my chest at the beginning they will affect us less later on I want to throw you out there because I feel like you should announce what cool thing you just got to buy oh my gosh yes wow Martha knows Martha knows everything about my life I got (laughs) The Chovy Patch. <gasps> um, Susie Holman, Kim Nichols, if you're listening, um, I would take more. I would cover my whole body in it. I have chronic pain and maybe undiagnosed endometriosis. So oh, <laughs> I got one, but I would take 500 more. <laughs> um, and for those of you listening who are like men or like don't operate on like the Mormon side of Instagram, you're probably like, what is the Jovi Patch? And the answer to that is, I don't totally know, but <laughs> <laughs> but it is being tested and reviewed by women and men for relieving pain. And so they, I'm really mm-hmm. glad you gave me this opportunity to tangent. Oh, um, yeah. The, well, and the I, I've watched a ton of Susie's stories. I think the Instagram handle now is meet underscore meet Jovi. underscore Jovi. Mm-hmm. J-O-V-I. And... According to those stories, it's nanotechnology that targets uh, pain receptors in your body. Yeah. Yeah. And so. What? Yeah. (laughs) It's nuts. But so right now it seems so they're getting FDA approval um, about like marketing stuff. I don't know how that stuff works, but I hear talking about it. And Mm -hmm. Um, though it is totally like anybody can use it, they're marketing pretty heavily towards women and helping women with like menstrual cramps and more female related pain. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Continue, Becky. So, no, I'm just like so excited. And I'm glad that you could say fancy buzzwords that I can't think of on the spot because I'm like, I'm, I bought one. It's coming. It, it'll ship by March 17th. Like yes. knowing me and my personal business, I'm going to have quite a few periods between now and March 17th, but oh. I'll just keep taking like upwards of 10 Advil and I'll get through it. So Thank you, Advil. <laughs> <laughs> but, but friends, women and men alike, if you're out there, if you've got chronic pain, look, check out the Jovi patch, or I think the company that it's like the little sister to is signal relief 
And I know nothing about Signal Relief, but I think mm-hmm. I think they're like tandem. I think they're like brother sister companies. I think Jovi's just going to be cute and friendly and pretty for women. So okay, I'm excited for it. I honestly am so excited for it. Okay, um, you'll have to tell all of us, me and the listeners, when you in March ish. Put it in the mail. <laughs> yeah. We'll do an unboxing on my Instagram. <laughs> um, okay, so that was tangent number one. I'm glad you wanted me to talk about it because I was like, oh, you know, that'll just be my happy thing of the oh, day. Yeah. But I had another, I had like one other happy, happy thing of the day so far. It's, um, you know, 115. And then I had one like fun, happy. So yeah, without further ado, the other happy thing last week martha and i talked about my educational pursuits and i respectfully asked no one to ever comment on when i'm graduating because i didn't have a flipping clue Mm -hmm. but today the u of a did something very uncustomary they emailed me and they were like hey we know you need to take this class and we know you have to do it before your practicum so you were going to have to take it in the fall which you know would have like pushed everything back and why i was miserable and didn't want to talk about it but they're like, what if we offered it to you in the spring? Would you like us to enroll you like, on your behalf? And I was like, oh. oh, my gosh. The U of A, realizing I had a problem, wow. came to me with a solution. Snaps for U of A. <laughs> Thank you. Snaps for U of A. So if all goes well, you know, maybe still don't talk to me about graduation, strangers out there. <laughs> but if all goes well, theoretically... I could begin a practicum in the fall of 2021 and then final practicum in the winter of 2022 and I can be a fully fledged teacher. So that's exciting. Super exciting. That's really cool that they did that. I know. So I was in shock. And then the other thing, this actually just popped up on my Twitter. So that's why I was like, (laughs) we're going to go check that. Um, So randomly today I was staring out the window And, like, I obviously have not been socialized in quite some time. Yes, I do have roommates, but they work. And so during the day, I'm just alone alone. sitting at the window. (laughs) Literally. COVID. (laughs) So I was standing at my window this morning, and I don't know if anyone else does this. So I sent out a tweet and I was like, hey, do you often think about how people survived in the past or are you normal? And then I followed it up with a second tweet. I was like, today's anxious thought is, how did people cope with wisdom teeth? Because if you Uh, think about it, no one today is deemed big enough a mouth to cope with wisdom teeth. Like, we all get them removed. So for absolutely no reason at all, today I was concerned and confused for the janked up mouths of people in history who just had to accommodate their wisdom teeth. And also, how painful would it have been to be teething in your teens? Ooh. Like, <laughs> Yikes. Right? So I, like, threw that tweet up there, and I was just like, you know, I have two followers on Twitter. I just like that all of the cringy Facebook statuses I had to, like, grow out of posting, I can just now tweet about. So, oh, yeah. Like, and then this, like, random boy, he, like, DMs me on Inst- on Twitter. I got a Twitter DM. Nice. And he was like, okay, I legit think about how people lived in the past all day long. And I was like, oh, hello, stranger. (laughs) And so now we're chatting and we're asking each other about our favorite travel destinations. And I'm like, who knew my anxious thought about wisdom teeth in the 1800s would have brought me a new Twitter man into my (laughs) life. Did he answer your question about the teeth? 
Well, no, he just, he didn't answer. He was just like, I think about it all the time. And I just said, <laughs> it's very stressful. I'll read you our conversation. Everyone's dying to know. Oh, yeah. And then he goes, so are you living in Canada? Yeah. Like, yeah, yes. <laughs> yes <laughs> I yeah. didn't have a, yeah. I didn't yes. have a witty retort. <laughs> I mean, it's like, that's cool. Have you ever been to Utah? And part of me was what? like, who is a Utah bro? Uh-huh. I was like, also, because I operate mostly on Mormon Twitter, I was like, I'm assuming he's Mormon. So I just said, yeah, I've been down for conference and a couple times to visit friends, which is true. And then I said, are you in Utah? And he goes, yeah, been here too long, but it's home. And I was like, oh, too long implies he is not from there. Implies he may not be a Utah bro. <laughs> and so then I hit him back with the same question. You know, have you ever been to Canada? And he's like, no, I was talking about this the other day. I've been to 13 countries, so a decent amount, but never to Canada. And I was like, well, it's right next door. But I was like, you've been to a lot of countries. Which one's been your favorite? Um, and he's like, oh, he's like, uh, I would have to say like Cuba and probably Italy. But what's your favorite place you've been? Ooh. And um, if anyone, anyone has known me for five minutes, they know that my primary character trait is mentioning that I lived in Italy I really don't have much going for me in life at this point (laughs) so I love any opportunity to just be like Italy I love it I lived there um (laughs) because I have some crippling insecurities if you can't tell so I was like I was like oh like I love Hawaii because it's sunny and warm but like I also love Switzerland for the views and Italy for the food and then he's like oh he's like we've been to like Venice Florence and Rome what part did you go to and so I just got that one as we started recording so I'm like oh you know I'll just hit him with a oh I've been to all of them I lived there (laughs) (laughs) I was okay well ending ending of the last tangent but a few days ago I was on a dating app and the same kind of thing played out this guy asked me like where would you go if you could travel anywhere and I was like the tie between Switzerland for the views and Italy for the food um and he's like Italy's really pretty when you have a chance you should go and I was like oh yeah don't worry I know I grew up there for four years (laughs) (laughs) and like he was doing nothing wrong he was being nice but anytime someone just like I don't know I get I hadn't told him I'd been there or lived there and so he obviously was just assuming I hadn't but I was like honey don't worry I'm fine like I'm good (laughs) And the shutdown. Everyone listening, everyone listening now is like, yeah, we come from Martha, not to hear Becky's uh, <laughs> Becky's real flaws. But anyway, whatever. <laughs> well, can I can I partially answer your question about the teeth? <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, if you know, I'd love. Not to that I'm a dental historian by any means, but um, I have heard <laughs> that having wisdom teeth really. Well, how do you explain that? So we don't need wisdom teeth anymore. And that's an evolutionary trait, kind of the same way how, um, like, we don't need our appendix. But at some point back in thousands and thousands of years, people used it for other things. And so wisdom teeth, I don't know what it was like in the more recent centuries. Probably people just had to suffer through it. But because people didn't have dental care, wisdom teeth were actually a thing that came in because most people were losing their teeth from bad hygiene. And oh, so instead of just oh. crowding their mouth, it was actually filling in spaces that had been left from teeth decay or teeth falling out. And that is why Martha is a co-host because she <laughs> is a smarty pants. Someone fact checked me. I, I think that's true. though. <laughs> that's, okay, but that, that makes me feel better because I literally was just standing at my window watching the snowfall. And I had flossed this morning, so I was much more aware of my teeth because I don't oh, normally yeah. floss. So they were having a day of their own anyways. And mm-hmm. I was like, 
wisdom teeth man like obviously it's been like ooh, like 10 not 10 years that's an exaggeration it's been like five or six years since i've gotten mine removed and i was like oh yeah like can't feel the scars like yeah they totally healed and then i thought what did people do when they just came in when they were like 19 like how messed up was their mouth well the tragic irony of that being that people who took better care of their teeth probably suffered more because their wisdom teeth came in Ooh. <laughs> I this is why we have this uh, 10 minute segment at the beginning of the episode because we have gotten onto a new topic that Martha and I did not even plan for. So I like it, I yeah, we gotta get our wiggles out or else this was bound to come up at like minute twenty-two and people were gonna be even more confused. You would just blurt so- out in the middle of the episode, what about wisdom teeth? <laughs> like, kinda. Like I honestly weird things will happen where I'll just think and I'm like how did people manage like in Bridgerton if you watched it that's great if you didn't watch it that's great mom and dad please don't watch it um <clears throat> anyways but in Bridgerton the girl gets her period and she's just shoving napkins in her pants and I was like oh I, I could not have done that I would just have not lived like I would have just given up just kill me that's the same thing like my not the same thing similar vein of thought I don't have great eyesight and I'm like what if I just lived in a time where they didn't have glasses I'd probably you die died. I just would have died <laughs> fallen you in a gotten, hole like, trampled by a horse <laughs> <laughs> like oh that's a nice tree or something <laughs> oh. all right do we have our wiggles out are we feeling ready to tackle today's topic I think so okay so Martha, if you're good, I'll have you kind of share an introduction to what today's topic is. Oh yeah. So today on Hey I Like You, we're talking about modesty. What? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is something that was uh, actually requested um, when Becky had done a poll on what some of the listeners wanted to hear um, talked about on the podcast. So the way we're going to be structuring it today, we're, we're talking about modesty in a more general sense. So in the most general sense, modesty has become a term widely understood as the, the air quotes appropriate way that people dress. However, it's most often a discussion around women, their bodies, mm-hmm. and how they look. So though we argue that a conversation about modesty should always include men and their bodies as well, um, the modesty of women should not be dictated by a male perspective. And so yeah. we're going to be diving into this today. Um, but keeping in mind that we want to keep this podcast um, a, a more positive space. And hopefully by the end, after you've listened, you feel a little bit more uplifted. So we might be delving into um, some tri- trickier topics. And as we go forward, in future topics like there will be heavier things that we discuss um but we'll always try to leave you on a higher note so with that put out there um i know some- i'm like so modesty <laughs> hey <laughs> yeah like and we're trying we're we've discussed it and this one is just a little bit tricky to organize the conversation around trying to keep it like I feel like our uh, thoughts were going everywhere (laughs) yeah yeah so there's just so many things and we want to keep it like a broader perspective so that it's just more relatable to all the listeners um whether you're 
a religious person or not, though I feel like modesty really is, even the phrase itself is more commonly used in a religious setting. So Mm -hmm. we're going to do our best. Please bear with us as we navigate through it. And hopefully we get some good tidbits and uh, something resonates with you. Something like to keep in mind, because like, you're all highly intelligent people. And I am, oh, I thank the good Lord every day for each one of you that listens. Mm-hmm. Um, but if people are kind of like, like modesty, what do you mean by that? Um, so trying not to make this too niche of a topic or too niche to people who are religious, like Martha and I, uh, you can also think like modesty is like dress codes or like societal, mm-hmm. the, you know, the stigma of like, well, what was she wearing? Like the, mm-hmm. Should or shouldn't wear certain things in order to be perceived a certain way or to not risk being perceived another way. Um, and so mm-hmm. the person who had the person who had kind of put this topic on my radar, like also happens to be religious. And so I was like, okay, that is something that has been a con like modesty, the word modesty, uh, has been a constant in my life. Like you can't <laughs> you can't go to church without having someone like bring it up or have someone be like did you see what she was wearing like that skirt was kind of short like it just happens Mm. to all judgment judgmental people but yeah so for those of you who like don't have a religious affiliation to modesty just think about like dress code and how like you'd go to school and your teachers would say like your skirt's too short or your shirt's too low or your shoulders are a distraction (laughs) so right so that's that general um opinion on someone else's clothing and someone else's uh, decision on how they show up to the world that opinion is what Martha and I are going to try and talk about does that sound right Martha yeah totally okay. well and I think that's a really good way to frame it because I feel like this ties in really nicely I'm going to put in a, a plug to someone that I follow on Instagram um, but her name is Dr. Julie Hanks she's a psychotherapist and um, you can find her at Dr. Julie Hanks as it sounds but something that she put up, this was a post that she put, I think it was last week, um, but she said, when we reduce the concept of modesty to what females wear, we create the sexual objectification of women's bodies. And so mm-hmm. though I like to view modesty as a conversation on how you present the, yourself to the world, your intentions and how you want to be uh part of this connected web that is life um it's often really like simplified to uh, like clothing and mm-hmm. um unfortunately this is something becky and i kind of discussed earlier when we were preparing uh, and this is coming from my <laughs> i don't i don't know if you can call it this i don't have any qualifications but my my undergrad is in sociology. So from a sociological perspective. You're basically a sociologist, Martha. You're practically a professor. Oh, yes. uh, my minor was in women's studies. So I, <laughs> all of the things. But um, it's kind of this, there's often um, this dichotomy of women being perceived as either saints, being perfect, or being whores. I hate that word, sorry. But um, well, you if you have... put like an Irish spin on it and you say "hoor," it's like more fun. <laughs> the hoors. or Scottish, Scottish. Sorry, everyone, I guess that's Scottish. <laughs> it it does sound better, but it's this this oversimplification, this kind of demeaning uh, perception of women as being one dimensional creatures, and so mm-hmm. the way that they're perceived, the way that they look, often 
dictates how they are accepted in society. Um, yeah. And so if you dress a certain way, then you fall on the hur side of it. See, and it's if way you, more fun to say now. If you're modest, then you're the saint. And unfortunately, this is also like the correlation of this idea of like, there are certain women that you sleep with and there are certain women that you marry when mm -hmm. all women are complex beings and yeah. should not be to mean to demean to one facet of their identity. Mm -hmm. And I like that you brought up the idea of like a saint where like a hur, um, because <laughs> it got me thinking about my history of sex work class. Ooh, history of sex work sounds so mm -hmm. taboo. It was honestly like, it was an incredible class. It just, it talked about so many things and honestly mad respect that it was like half female, half women. So I was um, yeah, so your girl Becky here, I'm a little bit dumb sometimes. Clearly I meant to say the class was half female, half male. So <laughs> carry on. Like, I see you men in this class, like you're Good representing. Um, and, but something that they talked about in that class was the idea of like clean and unclean women. And so if we go like way back to like Assyria, Babylon, Persia, like, you know, we're talking decades, centuries, whatever, long time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, women who were deemed clean and respectable had to wear a veil in public. And women who were slaves, concubines, or harlots, whores, like whatever. whatever <laughs> we should stop term. saying that because it makes me laugh every time. And this is like a serious, this is serious fair. stuff. Fair, fair, fair. But people mm -hmm. who, yeah, so were slaves, concubines, harlots, they couldn't wear a veil. They were like forbidden from wearing a veil. And society at that era, at that time, they were having a hard time telling the clean, respectable women from the people they deemed unclean and unrespectable. And so the society decided they needed to enact this law so they could more easily determine, you know, who was clean and who wasn't, who was respectable and who wasn't. And so it's just, it kind of blew my mind in that class. And then today when we were prepping for this episode to realize this whole concept of like that woman is respectable and, you know, worthy of my time or, you know, worthy of anything because she dresses like that. Whereas that woman is like unrespectable or she's dirty or she's not worthy because she dresses like that. And so it's like, mm -hmm. whoa, I didn't realize that this issue of clean and unclean was going on since like since the dawn of history. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I'm just, can we stop telling women how they have to dress? Like, can we yeah. just? cut it out yeah well and it 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 brings into question like these this idea around women's bodies and uh, like needing to hide their bodies like women mm -hmm. it just makes me think of how uh like a respectable woman in that context and I feel like that's still pervasive in a lot of society today it, like a respectable woman is a covered woman and so mm -hmm. we almost have to remove her from her body. And mm -hmm. that, like, <laughs> there are so many competing, uh, I don't know, ideologies tearing women's bodies apart. <laughs> so mm -hmm. either, and this is something, maybe, Becky, we can dive into the conversation we we're having about your bikinis and I'm your clothes versus unclothed body. <laughs> Oh, well, you mean you, my dating app matches? Yeah, tell tell. Can you tell our listeners about like your experience 
with yeah. your bikini photos versus your non-bikini photos versus my regular human photos yeah so uh-huh. I was sharing this with Martha because I was really frustrated because if you've known me for five seconds and you listen to one episode it's funny how I've brought this up in almost every single episode I love bikinis um and I love how I look in them I think I look fine as hell and so <laughs> earlier in the summer the summer of COVID I found that it was like kind of like a coping mechanism. I just like bought a bikini anytime my mental health is slipping. So I had a lot of them. And one day I was just feeling really good, feeling really pretty, nicely tanned. And I took a, a great, great picture of myself. Um, and yes, the kids these days might call it a thirst trap. And yes, <laughs> I'm on the dating apps. And yes, I posted the incredible, beautiful, just mwah, photo of myself on dating apps. And I have like that photo, which is like a full body shot of myself kind of like standing, popping my hip, doing all the posing things I learned on TikTok. I have that photo. And then I have other photos of like me on a hike and then like just my face, you know, just a regular old selfie. So I have a variety of things. But without fail on the dating apps, there's one in particular, Hinge. If you're on Hinge, you can like respond to an aspect. And so you could like, like one of their photos or like one of their like uh prompts one of their like write-ups if i'm on hinge and i'm getting matches it is because of that one photo of me in a bikini Mm -hmm. and on other dating apps like tinder and bumble like i have that photo on all of them if i get a match it'll be like hey how how are you by the way like you in that bikini shot and before we get into the victim blaming, I'm sure you're like, Becky, what did you expect? You're in a bikini. The man's going to tell you that he likes you in a bikini. Not that you would ever say that, Martha. But like, <laughs> yes, world, I hear you. And that is exactly what we're talking about today. Because what upsets me is I am praised when I have less clothing on because then I'm, I'm beautiful, I'm hot, I'm sexy, I'm attractive. But if I, none of my fully clothed shots get any attention. Like no one has interest in me. If I'm dressed in clothing, I'm, I'm attractive or I'm sexy or I'm like, man, I have, I have a photo album on my phone just called dating app woes. And I was like, I was going to, I'm going to like keep track of some of the things I see, but I'm, yeah. So like I, I'm worthy of like, of a message on an app when that is the, the person that they think they're messaging, but not when it's like me in leggings and a hoodie or me in like jeans and a t-shirt. And so that's just where I was like, huh don't get me wrong I love the serotonin rush so like I haven't taken down the bikini shot but it was a little frustrating to be like I wonder what it is about me like you're not wanting to get to know me and my hobbies because you're not responding to those you're just wanting to getting you just want to get to know me naked and Mm. I don't know and I I don't know if this is true or not but I feel like when it comes to something like that your picture in the bikini is beautiful and you look fabulous and you're feeling yourself, but it also, (laughs) you're welcome. Um, (laughs) it is also, it's also gratifying men's desires. Like it's, it's doing something for them. Um, where I feel like that's maybe that's where I'm trying to tie this in this thought about women having to be removed from their bodies to be respected Mm -hmm. is that modesty in this discussion is so heavily influenced by the quote-unquote male gaze yeah so that when um women are are simplified to this just sexual object for men then uh men and being a very general word men 
can no longer see them as these sexual objects. They have to see them as people when they have clothes on. (laughs) And so they don't know, they don't know. It's as if in society, we don't know how to, um, oh shoot, what's the word? Uh, Reconcile those two things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I remember going along with that thought. I remember in September, I lived my life by like, where was I in, where in the world was I at that moment? So I'm like, Mm -hmm. ah, yes, I was in Ontario. So that would be September. I had matched with someone on Hinge from that bikini photo. And I was like, okay, like, well, let's see where this goes. And he was just like, no hate, no shade to him. He's an interesting dude. He'll find someone to appreciate him one day. But like the things that he was saying, it was just, it was frustrating. Cause I was like, you have absolutely zero interest in getting to know anything about me. Sure. Mm-hmm. That bikini shot, that could be like the door to the conversation. You could say, you look amazing. And I'll say, thank you. And then we can have a conversation on like, my interests we can have a conversation on any other thing but it just kept coming back to like how you look your body your body your body your body and I was like I have other things about me that are interesting like Mm -hmm. am I a vision yes but like (laughs) there's other things about me like the fact that I took a history of sex work class the fact that I can help kids overcome their stutters like there's I love making bread (laughs) I love making bread yeah he never learned that because he didn't Uh ask and I remember, I have, this, like, I have this journal and in it, I was like writing down just kind of my frustrations at the way he was viewing me. Cause I was like, you literally see nothing about me other than my, my boobs and my bikini. Like, that's what you're focusing on. And that's your prerogative. But what mm-hmm. frustrated me is I wrote down in my journal, I was like, my body is not a man's fetish. Like mm-hmm. it isn't. And I'm just like, it was, in- and so I unmatched him. Cause I was just like, this is annoying. Like we've been talking for three days but we we haven't come off of like your body I was like okay yeah goodbye like there's more Mm -hmm. to me I'm a complex being I'm a complex human and I'm not meant to just be fetishized because it makes you feel good right I'm getting my soapbox now (laughs) no it's so good well and it's I think it's also important to state this is a conversation I had um with another friend uh, speaking on modesty and she brought up how one of her daughters, they had gone um, bathing suit shopping and um, she had just offered her daughter to get a two-piece or a bikini. And she, her daughter responded very negatively. Like she was very insecure. She didn't want to. And that concerned my friend who was her mom because she's like, why, why are you worried? Like why, mm-hmm. what makes you uncomfortable about this? And it was an insecurity about her body, whereas... Later on now, uh, she does feel comfortable wearing a bikini and occasionally does. She also has a one-piece, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I have one-pieces too. (laughs) I have some one-pieces I feel amazing in. I got some bikinis I feel amazing in. (laughs) Totally. Well, and so they they had had this – they're having this ongoing conversation um, and they happened to go – they went boating with um, friends, uh, another family, and uh, the – the father of the other family made a comment about the bikini, like, oh, she's wearing a bikini. And so my friend um, did an awesome job standing up to this idea, like, oh, her daughter couldn't wear a bikini because it was immodest. And she was like, you know what, frankly, the, <laughs> the things you can see in a bikini and a one piece are the fact that women have boobs and they have butts and mm-hmm. nothing is going to hide that. <laughs> and so yeah. we have these kind of, these very, uh, 
kind of superficial ideas about what is or isn't modest because of what is or isn't showing. But frankly, there are always going to be bodies underneath those clothes. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. granted, I'm like, I could give, in my mind, I'm like, granted, I totally have my own biases and ingrained thoughts on this. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. I could give you an example of something, a bikini that I would thought I think would be appropriate for a young teenager as opposed to one that's not appropriate. (laughs) And I'd be like, ooh, um, maybe a G-string bikini. Not so much. (laughs) But (laughs) if something is functional and working for that, that teenager in the setting that they're in, then I think we're, we're kind of delving into deeper societal um, expectations Mm -hmm. on women and their bodies and that it's not okay for them to expose that they have bodies at all. Right. It's like, I'm, yeah. If I'm deciding, yeah, I have a body. I live in it. It's, it's great. It helps me do so many things. And yeah, I decide to dress it in this bikini or in that dress or in this skirt. And that doesn't change who I am and the capabilities and the talents that I have. I just, I feel comfortable. I feel confident. I feel com- like I feel good. And then the way that it can just become such an issue of like, oh, but it doesn't, Mm, that's going to affect people. For example, Mm. continuing with what we do where we share our friends' stories. Um, I was chatting with a friend of mine like years ago now about modesty because we both, like she also had the same opinion on modesty as I do and, you know, same kind of upbringing. And she had shared with me that one time she went to uh, an activity with some church members and she was in a dance leotard because she had just come from dance. Like, I'm not going to go home, get changed. Like, it just didn't, it wasn't mm-hmm. convenient. It wasn't feasible. So she showed up in like a dance leotard and leggings or like a leotard and sweats. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like if I see that, I'm like, oh, cool. Kid's a dancer. Move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but someone, and she was like 11 or 12 at the time. Someone told her being the child being, and was like, you're dressed inappropriately and you're making the men in the room have like inappropriate thoughts. Like you can't be dressing mm-hmm. like that. And I'm like, A, if like it's a sport uniform whether or not you want to consider dance an art or a sport that's up to you but it is a uniform you know it is a tool it's something that allows her to to do what she needs to do and no one at any age at any time and place is ever responsible for the thoughts you are having like you think those for yourself and so I remember her saying that and I was just appalled for her because I'm like you were a a child and b those are grown adults if they're having inappropriate thoughts, that's weird. And they can mm. leave like mm-hmm. that. But I was like, the fact that there's never the idea of like safety, like, oh, people might be thinking inappropriately about this. Let's protect the child. It was like, no, let's just let the child know that they're now being sexualized. And I was like, oh, I hate that. I hate mm. that so much. Totally. Well, and that's, I, I think having a conversation around modesty, that is so much where most of these conversations come from that, mm-hmm you have to take responsibility for other people's thoughts about you. And that's Mm -hmm. specifically women shouldn't dress a certain way because it causes men to think sexual things about them. Yeah. And like going into that, Martha only recently found out about Christian legging gate of like 2014, 2015. (laughs) Thinking of like the Christian mommy blogger that had said like, my husband had bad thoughts when girls wear yoga pants. So girls respect yourselves and don't wear yoga pants and I was like no I'm gonna wear yoga pants even more they're gonna become 100% my staple uniform right well and it's (laughs) so funny (laughs) but we it's it's the same mentality I think you mentioned this at the beginning of the the podcast but um 
it's like teaching instead of teaching women how not to get raped why don't we teach men not to be rapists oh yeah we we talked about that when we were just prepping okay well mm-hmm. that and i but yes uh, i said that i'm wise you t- <laughs> it's so good well and something i've seen re- um going along the same vein was if you look at someone look at a woman and judge her by what she's wearing and that she's apparently if she seems to be inappropriately dressed or like she's dressing too sexy um pardon the language again she's not dressing like a slut you're thinking like a rapist yeah i saw that i feel like anytime there's like a big movement about telling people to screw off when it comes to how women dress i feel like that one gets said a lot and every time it's said it just like hits home more and more in my mind where i'm like it Mm -hmm. couldn't be clearer like it Mm -hmm. couldn't be if the outfit that man or woman is wearing is making you think things and feel that you're entitled to doing things i'm like you are thinking like a rapist it lit Mm. that's it there's no other way to describe it i love twitter people say some really good things on twitter i feel like that's where that started (laughs) thank you twitter um no totally so it it's it's just wild to me i think these conversations are happening more and more and we're like people are it's starting to click a lot more it seems Mm -hmm. on on a societal level um about us taking responsibility for our own thoughts and actions Mm -hmm. um but i think the same way uh, my thoughts around modesty as far as like if we could think of a way and maybe we can go into this conversation too, Becky, about like our thoughts and how we grew up thinking about modesty. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I was like, we should probably talk about how we got to where we're at. So Yeah, I'll maybe let let's start. backtrack because I, I was going to go like what I think about it now. But going back, um, so I, yeah, I was right. Ra- I'm like, is this the right way to say it? Probably. <laughs> um, I was raised in a pretty strict household when it came to, to quote unquote modesty standards. Um, and uh it like we didn't this is i'm like this is quite the <laughs> the the latter day saint or mormonism um mm-hmm. that like we we didn't wear tank tops we wore sh- sleeves over our shoulders um our shorts were supposed to be down to our knees kind of thing when we were looking for clothes uh and always wore one piece bathing suits that was pretty mm-hmm. like pretty standard across the line um and this, I, I just wanted to make clear, like, this is not a criticism of my parents or my family. Like, I I like to live my life thinking that people have done the best that they can with what they had. Mm-hmm. And in, in general, I, I think my parents did a pretty good job um, teaching me these things for the right reasons, I guess you could say. So something I appreciated, um, because the modesty conversation is so much geared towards women uh it's very frustrating to me but knowing i grew up in a house where like our standards were across the board like my brothers had to adhere to the same things That's and so really i nice. yeah i really like that like um granted i i might not hold the same standards in my home now i appreciated like my my brothers weren't allowed to walk around the house without a shirt on they didn't like we couldn't wear tank tops they couldn't wear tank tops um and I think a part of that kind of evolved as I got older and more involved in sports, like sports attire kind of changed. Mm-hmm. And so the 
the expectation did change a little bit with that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm glad I don't feel like my parents ever taught me that my body was bad or that I needed to hide it, hide it. We just had very clear rules on what we could and couldn't wear. And maybe granted, I'm like, it's that, that phrase, like you catch more than what you're taught. Like you pick up on things more than what is in, in, like intentionally taught to you. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. but that's kind of where I started. Um, and I feel like as I got older, like I got, I <laughs> got to choose my own clothes and buy my own stuff. Um, there was an interesting <laughs> experience I had when, um, I was in college and I was, I think maybe I was 22 at the time. And this was the first time I ever bought a two piece. This was like groundbreaking stuff guys. And so I get a tankini. (laughs) I love it. I got a tankini. That was my, that was my gateway. I'm like, gateway to bikinis. Totally. So I get a tankini and, um, I remember being at the pool with my mom and my aunt again nothing no judgment on them or against them or their ideas at all but it was just very interesting to me and I think it was a good way for me to kind of think about these things more was that um like I it was I don't know I feel like less common now my bikini was like a low rise bikini it was just a regular like at my hips um and then the top was decently low cut Granted, at the time I had no boobs, so it's not like I was showing anything. But just decently, like pure muscle. just pure <laughs> just my muscle. pectoral muscles were kind of like busting out of my tankini top. <laughs> and uh, if I raised my arms, my tankini top went up, and so it'd, it'd show like two or three inches of my stomach. And oh yeah, yeah, tankini, not bikini. I was like, if you raise your arm, what? Okay, right. <laughs> tankini, tankini. So. Um, I remember my mom coming over and she kind of like pulled down the tankini top to cover my stomach. And my aunt had also made a a joking kind of comment. They were together and pulled down my tankini and I was like, cover your stomach, Martha. And it just made me think, I remember so distinctly having this thought of like, how come it's okay for my, uh, my boobs to show my quote boobs, (laughs) my non boobs, (laughs) pectoral muscles. (laughs) Your boobs to show, but not my stomach. Like, what's the de- the defining feature that says what's cover this up about a and, stomach. <laughs> and not this? Yeah, and and yeah. it was just interesting to me. Like we 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 look at these standards, and when I was a child, they they seem so cut and dry, black and white. This is you wear this, you don't wear this, and I'm like, mm-hmm. it's funny though. Like we get comfortable in certain things, even within a modest context. I found that it seemed okay that everyone had low cut tops or like one pieces but don't show your stomach or like we we make these kind of rules around what is and isn't okay so I feel like that's kind of when I started to think about it more and that was also the time when I was in college and um we were wearing spandex or really small uniforms and that's that's another story I'm going to save for after because I want to hear Becky what what was your experience my experience as a child um so because I lived in Italy yeah wow (laughs) did you Becky bring that up Italy uh no I think it was um I think it was uh I was gonna come up with a different place can't think of anywhere so yeah (laughs) it was Italy (laughs) I don't know if it was a factor of that because you know like Martha I feel like 
our concept of modesty and whatnot definitely was at the forefront of our upbringings because of our religious affiliation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because some formative years were spent abroad, the people I was going to church with for the most part were Italian members and Italian saints and bless them, love them to death. They wear what they're comfortable in. And like they wear. And so in some cases you would quote unquote say like, that's modest. And in other cases, quote unquote, people would be like, that's not modest. Like she can't be wearing that. But like, don't ever tell an Italian woman what to wear. Like they're fierce and they're confident. And so I think growing up in that atmosphere and being like, oh, the people that I go to church with are kind, loving, supportive, like just really impressive and like, like inspiring members of my same religion, but they're coming to church in a tank top or they're coming to church in a low cut shirt or they're coming to church in a short skirt. I was like, oh, okay. So like, you don't have to wear a potato sack to be a good (laughs) member of the church and feel like, like God loves you. Like you can wear different things. And so I think that that was like educational for me just in understanding my body and what I, what I should be allowed to wear and what like I should feel comfortable in. And then I think also having two older sisters who were there with me as well. And I think seeing and feeling the same things as me, but they were putting it into practice. Cause like at nine years old, I didn't really have much of a fashion sense. My sisters at like 15, 16, they did. And so they were buying things, they were wearing things. And so I think, I think watching them like wear what they wore and getting their hand-me-downs, like it allowed me to realize like, okay, you can, you can have fun. You can have a sense of style. You can be dynamic about it and you can still be, like a good person worthy of respect deserving of time and attention like what I'm putting on my body doesn't demean those things in me and then I think also just like what we should do is we should ask my mom where she where she like got her modesty mindset from because Mm. I never was told to go change or you can't wear that or that's not appropriate like ever as to the best of my recollection and so growing up I never really had the constraints of modesty put on me and so when I became more of a teenager and I would go to like church functions or church activities, my mom would be like, okay, well, we have to go buy you an undershirt because like you can't wear that at that function or that activity. But what I loved is like, I knew if I was wearing it at home, my mom would not have cared. And so she knew, (laughs) she also knew like, okay, other people are going to have an issue with you wearing that, but like, I don't. And I remember getting this one bathing suit. She like, she bought it for me one day. She just came home. She's like, oh, this is on sale at Zeller's or Sears. Um, and I bought it for you and it was a one piece and it was brown. I, I remember it so clearly because I remember being like, this is a very sexy swimsuit, halter top, but it was like the, the cut, uh, like the cut on the chest or whatever, like went down to like right in between, maybe even like below my boobs a bit. And so it was just very low cut Whoa. and it had like a very low back and it was a halter and it was brown and it had flowers like right over like the cups and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is such a sexy swimsuit. And my mom <laughs> bought it for me. Like, my mom's a badass. And I thought, like, oh, wow. Like, just thought I was, like, breaking all the rules. But I was like, but my like, she bought it. So she's obviously not at all concerned for it. And because when so I was a teenager funny. back in Canada, the people I was socializing with and surrounding myself with uh, in terms of, like, church-wise a lot of my friends came from my church community they didn't have the same mindset on modesty or they're you know they just they weren't 
raised in the same liberal wild mindset I was. <laughs> and so I remember distinctly that swimsuit, that very sexy one piece that I was like, wow. Um, I remember a friend of mine was going to go swimming and she she didn't have a sexy, you know, cool swimsuit. So she's like, can I borrow it? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, but don't worry. Like, I'm going to pack my other one on top of it. So if my mom looks at my bag, she won't see it. And I remember just <laughs> thinking to myself being like, holy hell, like I'm lucky I've got Evelyn for a mom and not no hate <laughs> no shade to anyone's parents, but it was just so comforting to me to be like, my mom, like she's, she's never restricted or enforced what I can and cannot wear. And she's always supported whatever I feel comfortable in. And so I just like realized as a teenager, like, okay, I'm definitely different. <laughs> cause, mm. uh, cause no, I don't, it was, I feel like it was very rare to just have someone be like, it's whatever. It's fine. Like, do you like how you look? Okay. Then I don't care. Like you're good. You're fine. And so I'm like, I'd love to know one day we'll have my mom on the podcast <laughs> and we'll figure out mm-hmm. how she became so, so, so easy minded and easygoing. Cause yeah, it's, and that's why when this topic of modesty was requested, I was like, I don't know how to talk about modesty because I've never had an issue with it. And that sounds very privileged and lucky. It was more like, I don't really know how to talk about it because it's not an issue in my life because I've never really considered it. I've always mm-hmm. been much more like, I, I like this and I'm comfortable. So why? I'm, um, and I do a pre, but yeah, like going to church functions being like, oh, you have to wear a t-shirt under that dress or you have to wear this or you have to do that. I'm like, okay. So it did affect me, but in terms of my personal relationship to it, I'm like, mm, it doesn't really exist in my personal life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which I think is really cool. And then like, I think it sets you up to, even though like that wasn't a part of what you experienced when you were younger, I feel like it sets you up well to be able to talk about it to like a newer generation or to, mm-hmm. to frame it in a better way. Cause that's what I, I think of it when I think of how, how it was kind of framed for me growing up. Um, I know I've had, I've had this conversation with one of my sisters before, but she'll, t- she'll talk about like, it's, it's a mindset from another time. Um, yeah. and I-, I am curious about how your mom got to where she was. Cause I'm like, I feel like it was just so ingrained in previous generations. Um, like these mm-hmm. are the rules and this is what you do and this is what you wear and this and this is not okay. Um, but I feel like now having these conversations and being able to, pick it apart a little bit more. I just feel like there, there's just so much more that people can take from it. And I think that's going forward. It's like where you say, you're like, I don't really know how to talk about modesty. I think now I just have a much more broad perspective of what modesty is and yeah, how, if I were to talk to someone or try to like, <laughs> I was about to say, heaven forbid, I have to teach about modesty. <laughs> And now I, you're like going to half. Someone's gonna be like, hi, could you please teach these 12 year olds? And you'll just walk in and say, wear whatever you want. Your body, your choice. Your body isn't another person's fetish. And then just leave. That's it. That's the discussion on modesty. That would, I feel like that'd probably be a good portion of it. But I feel Thank like I, I, I would want to teach that modesty is about your intentions. I'm like, if you look at the the, the word modesty itself, and if you look into like the roots of that word, um, moderation, humility, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I'm like, try to look at it as how, how to, 
I don't know how to humbly go into the world. I'm like, and part of modesty, I think is like not thinking too much about what you look like. If you're obsessed with what you look like all the time, you really miss Maybe out be on humble. a lot of life. You need some humbling. <laughs> well, and you don't I, have a modest issue. You have a pride issue. Maybe. Well, and <laughs> okay. oh, that's pride, a whole nother conversation. But like it's it's appearance, it's language, it's behavior. It's mm-hmm. it's how you, you want to present yourself to the world. And I feel like that's why it's really hard for me to look at modesty and think there's there are universal applications like one size fits all for everyone because then you go into the same thing about women's bodies and what is and isn't okay for some someone who has who has a larger chest might be seen as totally inappropriate someone else wears the same exact thing they don't have a chest then Mm -hmm. it's fine like it's it's really hard so i'm like i i would want to teach someone to make choices for themselves and um and be able to make those personal decisions without worrying about other people mm-hmm. and to take it away from that. Oh, you need to protect other people from their own thoughts because you're an object to them. I want but it. But I'm be like, there. no, I'm not an object. Like hearing no. that. I know, I know that you're not thinking oh, yeah. about that because you're a human. You're not an object. Never mind. Like, I just I'm like, mm. how did that thought even become like, how did that even get spoken into existence? <laughs> totally. Well, and it's, this is, I'm like, this is something I had written down for our notes. Um, and this is going kind of into, well, well, this is applicable to a lot of things, but this goes into a, a, another kind of framework around modesty. Um, but I had written down, like, nudity is not inherently pornographic. Your bodies are not pornography. <laughs> And I mm-hmm. think that's how it is often framed within the modesty, under the modesty umbrella, um, that your body is, that's, that's the objectification. That's your body is pornography to somebody else where mm-hmm. I've, I've thought of it recently. It's really interesting because when I think of, this is now going into pornography, but I feel like it's very t- closely tied. I'm like, Mm -hmm. seeing someone's naked body, um, I feel like if you're going in the black and white kind, um, that like a naked body is pornography, then that's kind of how it's often framed in our minds with modesty. But after having experiences like labor and birth um, and being in some of the most vulnerable situations in my naked body... Mm -hmm. um, I really think of kind of nakedness as vulnerability and I, and granted, I think there's a lot of power in owning our bodies as they are. Um, and, and as we talked about, like people are complex. There are so many facets of who we are as human beings in our sexuality in our personalities in our abilities in our hobbies in our careers, all those things. Um, but when I think of someone being naked, I think of how vulnerable they are. And maybe that's mm-hmm. like coming from experiences. <laughs> I remember um, being an at-home caregiver and and needing to help people with their showers. And how mm-hmm. – and these people who have, whether it be mental or physical disabilities, how um, vulnerable they are in those situations and how – like potentially humiliating that situation yeah. would be for them. And I'd, I, 
this is something that has been in my head. Um, yeah, yeah. And so rather than looking at someone, I feel like this is something where I'm like, rather than looking at someone and trying to judge their modesty, try to see them as people who are vulnerable in their bodies and and see them as complex beings. And if we're if we're really so set on policing other people's bodies and their appearances, then I, I think we're kind of missing the mark on on trying to be the people we want to be. Um, yeah, honestly, I'm like, Martha, that was beautiful. We can wrap this baby up. Oh, uh, <laughs> the end. <laughs> but you're, yeah, feeling like you have any right or entitlement to policing someone's body and then putting the onus on someone when whatever they're wearing makes you feel or think a certain way. And it's just like, that doesn't make sense. And I wish I could remember it because I had a thought and I was like, okay, I got to bring it back to that. But that ship has sailed. <laughs> so, happens. so I guess I'll just have to be like, you know what? Yeah, I agree. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. But I, yeah, I think in the end, our our opinions on modesty are more just like, if if you're comfortable. In fact, I think you actually had a really nice write up that I feel like could kind of sum up the episode um, in our show in our show outline. If you wouldn't mind just like sharing that thought, because I can't for the life of me say it as well as you as you phrased it. But that idea about like. Yeah, I'll I'll hand the mic back to you, Martha. Oh, no worries. Are you talking about the ending note or? Yeah, yeah. I really like the oh, ending note because I feel thanks, like girl. that's kind of like <laughs> the, the takeaway from this episode could be the ending note. Yeah, so <laughs> something I had written up, I just said, find empowerment in the way you dress yourself. And so that's something Becky and I have discussed before is like, it seems... <laughs> to always be a, a common thread that women will be criticized for what they choose and whether that be mm-hmm. you dress modestly for religious uh for religious reasons uh you, or you don't or uh you choose to wear bikinis or you don't um there's always going to be someone who has issue with that but it's it's not about them um so wear mm-hmm. what makes you feel empowered and capable and confident and as a side note, um, throw away clothes that no longer serve you and dress the amazing body that you have right now. Amen. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> as you were saying at the beginning, like you might dress a certain way for like religious or whatever it may be. There is like, yeah, there's so many religions in the world. And some of them do come with like clothing guidelines or clothing instructions, whether it be faith-based and whatnot. And I feel like, yeah, people are, will judge individuals because they're either not dressing appropriately or they're being um, like these dressing standards are being forced upon them. And it's just that idea of like, let's, let's just let people do what they're comfortable with and show up in ways that makes them comfortable. Mm-hmm. Cause we all just deserve that much. <laughs> like at the very least we deserve to be comfortable and happy in our own skin. And Yeah hats off to Martha you're doing great I'm glad you're here you're doing great Becky (laughs) you're doing great we're doing the best we can and that's great and that's and that's good enough um I didn't know if you had anything else because I just I feel like we kind of came to a good ending I I don't know if you have anything else on the topic that you want to get to before we dive into the things that we like no I, I feel like both of us had so many stories around it but I think we hit the the important parts so okay Good, good, good. Because, yeah, I was just like, 
I like I was excited to talk about it, but I was also just so concerned because I was like, I don't know where to take this topic and I don't know. And so my hope is that if you're listening out there, if you've made it this far, that you realize that we think you're beautiful and you can wear whatever the hell you want and you're going to look amazing. <laughs> so without further ado, I guess, Martha, what is something that you are liking lately? Ooh, something that I am liking this came out of nowhere, but Netflix just put up, uh, well, I love any kind of like competition show. So they put up a glass blowing competition. Yes, blown away. Yeah, it's really good. So uh, super interesting. And I don't know anything about glass blowing before I see this show, but that's something I like. We just finished it and super fun. So glass blowing guys look into it it looks really cool (laughs) i wanted to watch it one day when i was eating lunch so i started episode one and then i realized it was season two episode one and i was like oh so then i quickly corrected that error and i went back to season one episode one and it is enjoyable i'm having fun watching it for me thanks to tiktok which is something i'm saying a lot lately someone asked the question on tiktok what is a like song I think it was yeah i think it was song or artist that you love that only exists in a fictional universe and the, i was like i love seeing what people say so i was like oh i'm excited and the person responded and they're like the entire josie and the pussycats discography and then i had a light bulb moment so go off good. in my head and i said i bet you that's on apple music like it's it's a soundtrack to a movie of course the songs are out there so it's on apple music and i downloaded it and it is all i have been listening to for like a week and I was like, the Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack goes so hard. <laughs> and I would like to argue that before we had Taylor Swift, we had Josie and the Pussycats. Because all like the sad, like looking back on relationships or wishing your friend would be your boyfriend vibes that Taylor Swift gives you. Josie and the Pussycats give you. <laughs> and, and there is a line. And I was like, I heard it the other day. And I was like, ooh, that cuts deep. And she said, if this is how, like, it's like, okay, I can't remember it perfectly, but it's something like, if this is where the book ends, I guess we're just good friends. And I was like, Josie and the Pussycats, the OG Taylor Swift. So good. <laughs> Did you guys watch that movie as kids? Yes. Like, so I think just me. We're too old at that point, And they were off at the, like, in Switzerland or something. But I remember <laughs> being up. in Italy and renting it and just, like, watching it on repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. And I was like, this movie is the best movie ever. So... <laughs> It is so funny and quirky, and that soundtrack is one that I used to listen to on repeat. I feel like honestly, if I put it on today, I would remember every single word. <laughs> you do. You do. I haven't heard that soundtrack. I used to have the CD. I think I stopped listening to it in like middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I know every line to every song. It is like a core memory. It's deep. It's deep in my neural pathways in my brain. So, yeah. <laughs> Josie, you you should listen to it today, Martha. I'm not even kidding. I'm going to. I will. (laughs) Well, I guess that's everything, everything from us. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. I think we're going to wrap it up. Yeah. So we'll just, we'll say sayonara and we'll see you next week. And by see you, I mean, you'll hear from us next week. Bye. (laughs) 